Podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about a cautionary tale of a junkie narcissist. Let's get started. It all started a couple of years ago when Edwin entered Ginny's life. It was not something Ginny had ever planned. What would happen next will take two years in the making to finally walk away from all of it. She was about to discover a world she has never been exposed to. And it would be a life changer. She thought she had been facing extreme challenges, but what was about to happen was a reminder that the life she has gone through would prepare her for what's coming next. Jeannie is a small businesswoman in her late 40s. She had a life full of adventures. She started her own business. She was focused on expanding her reach by becoming a master in her own field. Her world was comprised of friends all over the world and her pets. She was driven by opportunities that were coming her way. Edwin entered her life in an unexpected way. She was not looking for anyone. Her business was taking off and it was her focus. He was in a trade world at that time when he came to do the repairs on her house. He noticed her and quickly, as a narcissist will do, assessed her and her surrounding. He had already estimated the cost of the house and was listening carefully when Ginny was talking on the phone. He did what a good narcissist would do to test the water. He found out quickly she was single. He saw she was determined and strong person. He knew she was his next supply. A mark, if you will. She didn't take his advance seriously. She was cautious, but in one way was amused. She wanted to do some extra remodeling in her house. So, to show how much she would care, he recommended a wholesaler and even offered to do the installation for free under one condition. If she would help him and get a free meal, she agreed to it. So the then started. Edwin had a plan, and this was to start to condition her in what we called a cult of one. First, he will not show up when he offered to help her. Then, when he was there, he will let her do most of the work. She got irritated that the house was a war zone, adding the fact she was doing most of the work. After having a conversation with Edwin, they finally finished the remodeling. They started to become friends, and Edwin made it clear to Ginny he was coming for her. She still did not take it seriously. We were close to Christmas, and he wanted her to meet his family. She felt it was too soon to do that, so she said no. Edwin shared he was done with the relationship he had, but somehow his ex, Titi the Tuna, was still stalking him. She did not want it to have anything to do with that. For New Year's Eve, Edwin invited Ginny to go to his hometown so he could show her where he lived. She was excited. It would be great to discover that little town. Well, this was another red flag. That evening, Edwin disappeared. He had a meltdown and never came to pick up Ginny. Instead, he went to his hometown with a bottle of gin and got drunk in his van. Ginny was extremely disappointed and had enough of his actions. She was ready to walk away when he came back in January. He even started to bring items to her house, including gifts. He was moving in without her realizing it right away. February came, February the 13th. She went to his house. It was the second time she had visited that house. The first time she went there and announced she opened the patio order. She found him sleeping on a chair in a crowded small room. The rest of the house was in shambles. Literally, it was a dump, or should I say, under permanent constructions. This time around, he cleaned up his house. She met his mother for the first time as well. Ginny unloaded Edwin's clothes from her car. She had no intention of having him 
moved into our house. His mother left and they went to the bedroom to relax. What Jenny did not know at that time was that Edwin was still with Titi the Tuna. An hour after they went to the bedroom watching TV, Jenny left earlier her coat, shoes, and purse in the office. As they were starting to fall asleep, they heard a voice calling him. Jenny had no idea who it was. Edwin woke up in terror and told Jenny it was Titi. This is where all hell broke loose. Titi was able to convince a friend of Edwin's roommate that was fixing his car in a garage to break into the house. From there, she spent the next two hours roaming the house, including the office, where she opened the purse and took a picture of Jeannie's ID. Jeannie needed to go to the bathroom very bad, but Edwin was so terrified to be discovered by Titi, he decided to play dead. Troy, the roommate's friend, was ready to leave. It was the opportunity for Jeannie to leave the bedroom via the bedroom patio door. She was able to enter the, patio, the back patio door like she came from the garage, followed by Titi. She quickly went to the bathroom. She went in the office and picked up her staff while being interrogated by Titi the Tuna. She left and could not believe what had just happened. From there... Jeannie kept her distance from him. He would try to get into Jeannie's head at time to get her into his narcissistic patterns. In April, Jeannie had enough and went to talk to Edwin. She gave him an ultimatum, you're in or out. He decided to go all in, or she thought. Late May, he decided out of the blue to propose to her on a job site he was working at as she was visiting. She said, sure. And what did not realize is she became a trophy for the next year that he would be dangling in front of everyone, starting with his father, who was a successful business owner who retired in his 50s. He was a shrewd businessman. However, after testing Jeannie, he realized she was a smart-savvy businesswoman. They spent their summer weekends at his cabin and enjoyed motorcycle rides. Both Edward and Jeannie had a wonderful bond. Edward had high hope for Edwin and thought he would finally settle with Jeannie. That summer, Edwin's childhood friend, Trev, was going through the process of handling an inheritance in a battle with his family trust. With the death of his grandma, the trust was supposed to be split among the children. Trev wanted to use the money to purchase a motel in South Dakota. Edwin wanted Jeannie to be involved. Jeannie was not keen to do so, knowing Trev's past. However, she decided to meet Trev to figure it out what he was looking for. Edwin was in heaven, thinking his master plan to take control over Trev's million work so he could spend them. What Edwin did not realize was that Jeannie had figured out what he was up to. So, when they drove to South Dakota to see Trev for the second time, Trev showed Jeannie the motel. When they came back from the ride, Jeannie drafted a solid contract that will protect her. Since she did not trust Trev or Edwin, one could not do illegal business or it would lose over millions of dollars. And the second could not take over the money because to be part of the joint ventures, it had to be unanimously voted in the partnership. As the summer went on, Ginny noticed Edwin was on the phone a lot. He also became paranoid about his phone. This brings us back again to Titi the Tuna. By June, Ginny was going freely to Edwin's house. One day, just a week before his son's birthday, they were in the living room where his bed was, since the house was still in construction, and as they were talking, Titi arrived and announced. This time, the house was locked, also they thought. Titi was not able to open the front door. However, a window had been left half open. Titi was able to wiggle herself through the window quickly and quietly. 
As Edwin was speaking, he started to say, What are you doing here, Titi? He repeated that twice looking over at Ginny. At first, Ginny thought he was joking. She turned around and saw Titi standing right there. For the next hour, Titi tried to pick a fight with Edwin and made some horrifying comment that he was on, dro on drugs, on crystal meth to be precise, cheating and other statements along the line how she would strike at him before he did anything to her. Edwin's face was livid. He was scared to death that the truth Titi was talking about would scare Ginny. As Ginny was sitting on the bed, she was texting a friend of hers, giving her a play-by-play. -play. After an hour, she had enough and stated to Edwin, Your mother is waiting for us. We got to go. They were able to get Titi out of the house and they went to the gas station. As he went inside, Ginny was on her phone and as the minute passed, she found it odd he wasn't back right away. She looked at the exit door of the gas station and saw Edwin followed by Titi. They went back to the house, still being followed by Titi. Edwin entered the house and Titi followed him. He went back outside, still being followed by Titi. A few minutes passed when Ginny went to the van and told Edwin, this is your mother on the phone. We need to go. From there, they left via two cars. Titi did not follow them. She left in her orange jeep to go back to her home. For a month, Titi did not reach out to Edwin. However, came August, the month of extremes. This is where the truth started to come out. Edwin's behavior became erratic. Violent outbursts, being cold and mentally abusive. This did not happen overnight. It was gradual. And I would say, like a scalpel precise cut on the skin. On the weekend over to his father's cabin, during a motorcycle ride, Edwin was making some calls outside of the bar when they stopped. Ginny knew at that time it was Titi. Her instinct would never fail her. She had confirmation at night. While Edwin was asleep, Ginny went through his phone and found a series of explicit texts. She began suspicious of Edwin's activities and confronted him. Edwin was a good liar, but not as good as he thought, and tried a few stories to see what would happen. Ginny was also looking at what Edwin was smoking. Edwin lied to her by stating it was Keith. Somehow, Ginny did not believe him, so she did her own research and discovered it was actually crystal meth. Titi was right. At that point, she was horrified, but to make things worse, in mid-August, Edwin went into town to see Titi. That night, he never came back home. They were supposed to leave by morning for his father's cabin. Instead, Ginny was worried his phone was off, he wasn't home, and Edward called Ginny asking her at what time they would arrive, since he could not get a hold of his son. She felt mortified about the situation, but again, she had no proof of cheating with Titi because she did not know where he was. As things were spiraling down, we were approaching September, his birthday. Ginny wanted to host a lunch at his mom's house. She was so excited and was hoping for the best. She was going to make chili and had some custom-made cookies. It was supposed to be a great Sunday. However, she was still on edge sensing things were about to go down. That Friday night, she was working late and had a sense something was about to go down. She had a strong feeling Edwin was with Titi again. And at one point, she texted him letting him know she was on her way to his house and to say hello and goodbye to Titi. One of his responses was, you're a weirdo. She was furious. She kept her hands on the steering wheel and arrived before him to his house. He arrived 30 minutes later. He hid his phone in the office and went to bed like nothing happened. Ginny waited for him to fall asleep and went into the office and searched for it. What she discovered made her angry. 
Titi texted Edwin asking him why he left instead of cuddling with her. She went back to the bedroom, lying next to him for a while. At about 6 a.m., she woke him up and started the most grueling interrogation for four and a half hours to get the truth out of him. Especially for a narcissist, he, she took, and he took her a lot of energy to do that. He admitted it, he was on crystal meth. Did not even give credit to Ginny to figure it out, this one. Admitting having cheated on Ginny twice, one in August and just the night before. He also admitted she did transport illegal drugs across state unknowingly and unwillingly. She was livid. All this was happening a day before his birthday. At that point, she gave him 90 days to clean up his act with the meth, cutting immediately all communication with Titi. It was a test. She was doing, doing it to see if he could keep the end of the bargain. Edwin stopped working last June. He wanted to take some time off and enjoy life. What Jenny discovered is that Edwin was trying to have her selling her house, moving full-time with him and asking her to get hitched in September. Jenny refused to get married, stating she needed to take more time. No rush. In regards of her house, she had no intention of selling it, knowing he would try to put his hands on the money. He was trying to isolate her as much as possible to control her. He made other promises, but at that point she knew it will not work at all. And he was using her as a piggy bank. She kept her promise to stay for the next 90 days to see through it. Edwin was trying as much as he could to control her. He was parading her around and telling everyone she was rich. He was using his Facebook to create a fake narrative so the people reading it would and are believing him. Things were not going to stop anytime soon. As a narcissistic person, Edwin made a lot of promises and every single one of them would be broken. This is the pattern of a narcissist person. A month passed and everything seems okay. Ginny never took her guard down. She knew it will not last. However, Edwin loved to go online, and as a good narcissistic person, he would go back to the people he had been involved intimately with. This time, it was someone that is living in Tennessee. She is married and is another narcissist as well. Never worked her entire life, loving the life of luxury she had. Use social media to show it all off in need of attention as well. She loved to stray away from her marriage. Her sibling would have her flying her in covered her extramarital affairs. In the past, she and Edwin did hook up when she was in town. This time, he had an entire motive because Edwin's motto was, what can I get out of you? Each time, he would befriend someone. She had some memorabilia he was interested in since he wanted to start another thrifty store, or so he thought. His goal was to sway her to come with a couple of items. However, she had her own agenda. As he shared with Ginny the news, he might be getting some items from her. He told Ginny he would handle it. A few weeks passed when Ginny went back to his place one day. She had the urge to search for his phone. To her horror, she discovered some explicit messages with a few pictures as well. As Ginny started to confront Edwin, he tried to push her back and told her it was a game. Ginny knew it wasn't and he has entered an emotional relationship with another ex. He wasn't in control of that game. The ex was. She packed up her stuff and left his house. This time around, she was not going to let this go any further. She took matters into her own hands and flipped the situation around. They stopped communicating for a week. In the meantime, the ex got a new phone and number and the saga continued. We were a few days away from Thanksgiving and she wasn't planning on going to his mother's house after this issue. Edwin blackmailed her to show up. 
What he did not know, that Saturday when she stormed out of his house, she did call his mother and canceled the invitation to go to his mother, letting her know what she had uncovered. By the time she arrived an hour later, everyone knew what he had done. Edwin tried to be loving again to save face on the front of his family, but Ginny ignored him and brushed him away in the front of his family. He switched his seat with his sister so he could stay further away from Ginny, feeling her anger. Ginny was able to have some private time with his mom. She told her what was going on with the drugs and the cheating. His mother conceded that he was doing was like, was like his father's behavior about cheating. December arrived, and it was the eve of his mother's birthday. Jeannie wanted to do a luncheon at his house with the rest of his family. This luncheon was planned a few weeks prior to Thanksgiving, and Jeannie did not want it to cancel it. As she was ready to go to the store for the final item, Edwin went to bed. So she started a simple conversation about Ed the Panther, who was texting him and calling him a lot. He stated this was a guy he knew, and he had a lot of issues. Jeannie did not bot the lie. She knew it was something else. Earlier that night, she noticed that for a few hours, he was in the living room on his phone. She sneaked in while he was outside and noticed Albert the Painter was the number that was called often. As she was leaving to go to the store, his phone made a noise. She had no idea who it was, but the message intrigued her. So she played a game to respond. It only took a few messages when she realized to her horror it was the ex. Jeannie stormed into the bedroom and confronted Edwin, who again denied everything. She went into a state of shock. She could not believe he would have done that. She had brought the food for the luncheon and had no intention of leaving it behind. As she was quickly packing the food and placing it in a car, she started to hyperventilate it and started to say, oh my God, oh my God. For a good five minutes, she took her clothes and left with the dog. Edwin was in a fit of anger and was verbally abusive, but not fast enough to stop her from taking the dogs away this time around. She started the car, still saying, oh my God. She tried to call a friend, but could not get the hold of him. So she called her, her friend Grace to help her to drive back home. Grace was such a lifesaver. During the trip back home, Ginny fainted almost three times on the highway. She dropped the dogs to the doggy daycare while Edwin became overly abusive via text and phone. She stayed home and could not believe he would do that again. The entire family arrived for the luncheon and found only Edwin without the food. No one was happy because they figured out very quickly he had continued to talk to the ex. This was a big blow to Edwin's narcissism ego. As he continued to connect with the ex, Ginny discovered she was coming into town the week of Christmas. It was a few hours before she landed, so to make sure she would not have what she came for, Ginny engineered a strategy to meet her with Edwin. She let Edwin thought it was his idea and actually manipulated him to the, to the point that he really thought it was his. They did meet at a coffee shop and spoke for a few hours. She was unhappy at first and realized she would not get what she came for. She left town without having the good time she was planning with Edwin, and Edwin never had the memorabilia he wanted for his delusional store he allegedly wanted to open because she never brought anything for him. Looking at the amount of money Ginny has spent on his house and himself, it was starting to be substantial. She wanted her money back, so she did apply for a loan he was entitled to, was the reason she stayed longer, to get her money back. We were now close to the New Year's, and the life was different. Her goal was the money. She knew it would not be easy, but she wanted what was rightfully hers back and some more. 
His drug intake was lower, but he never quit. She knew he loved his meth more than anything else. He already told her in a past conversation. He also told her that she would not leave him if she tried. But he would tell her when she could go, which is a typical answer of a narcissist. He was a con man, not a good one, just a low-grade hustler that could read people quickly. Every deal he was doing was based on others conning him by showing him shiny object he could not resist. And I can say, there were a lot of shiny objects. A bad businessman and a poor lover. His addiction to porn was evident in bed. So much drug use made it impossible for him to perform as well. Jeannie decided to take a solo trip in January. To his dismay, she kept it. He was unhappy because he could not control her. He did not know where she was and when she was coming back. She needed a break and start fresh while waiting for the money. Before she left for her well-deserved getaway, she sat down with him. She explicitly told him that she has chosen her life purpose over him. Then she did not love him at all. By mid-May, she was ready to give up on the money when it finally arrived. Edwin never told her it was in the bank. By the time she learned that he had already spent a good amount on futility and one of them was a truck that wasn't even worth $7,000. That Friday, she discovered he had received the money. When confronted, he lied again. That night... She went through the bank account and was able to trace it back. He wasn't about to give her anything. She stayed in the living room, sleeping on a chair. By morning, they went to the bank. This was one of the most humiliating situations yet that was about to happen. As they went to the bank, Ginny assumed Edwin would have a check or money to pay her back. What she did not realize was that he wasn't about to do that. They entered the bank and waited in line. When their turn came, she stepped aside so he could do the transaction as he was planning to do. While she was waiting and listening to Edwin ordering a cashier check for the amount of $7,000, Edwin did not ask for any other checks. Jeannie's blood left her face and she felt the humiliation coming upon her. She felt betrayed. As they left the bank, the cashier was looking at Jeannie a little worried. They both left and went to her car. As she was sitting in a car, the feeling of rage started to take over. She faked a smile, which Edwin did not even realize. He was so much in control of the situation, he thought he had her trapped. As she tried to keep her composure, thinking, how was I going to get the money? Edwin placed his hand behind her head and told her he will take care of her. This was the breaking point for Jeannie. As they were turning into a smaller road, something broke inside of her. She started to push the accelerator pedal down. It was an icy road. At that moment, she was looking for a tree where she could unbuckle his seatbelt and crash her car to kill him. As the car started to speed faster and the rage inside of her started to blind her, she heard a little voice asking her, what would happen to the pups? Who will take care of them? As she spotted the perfect tree, she snapped out of it and capped the car on the road. She arrived at the place the truck was. He got out of the car and went to speak with the seller. She quickly left the place, driving back to his place. She had a couple of options. She was debating loudly in a car. One pack up the stuff and go, or thinking of her business, if she could get a hold of his credit card and process it, she would be good. Edwin realized she might be a flight risk and quickly did the buy and drove as quickly as he could to his house with the new truck. 
She was there, sitting in a dining area, waiting patiently for him. He arrived all worried, and she just started to play the game of how I'm going to pluck you like a chicken. He had no idea how she was about to outsmart him. He felt better when he saw Ginny smiling. But Edwin made a mistake. When he left the room, he left his wallet on the table. Ginny quickly grabbed it and took a picture of the credit card that will be used for later. As a good narcissist, Edwin was leaving it large, thinking he had a billion dollars in his banking account. Money has always and will always burn his hands. He is incapable of keeping it or even managing his bills. He was late on his property taxes and his utilities. He thought he was living the life of a thugs and cash was the only way to go. So back to that Saturday afternoon, while he was busy getting high, Ginny took her laptop and went to the credit card terminal she had. She tried to run the first test at $5,000, but got rejected, which freaked her out. So instead of letting it go, she tried to for a smaller amount, which was 2.5, which worked. She proceeded to do a few more transactions, which during the weekend does not process yet until Monday. She proceeded to do the same thing on Sunday that would equal the amount he owed her. She felt a huge sense of relief. It was now time to exit the nightmare. However, it did not go as smooth as she thought. Edwin was still talking with the ex from Tennessee, and since she did not get what she came for, she was on a mission since January to create a wage at any opportunity she had between them. Edwin, who needed to speak trash about Ginny to his ex, was the perfect combo. However, the ex did not realize that Edwin was not going to kick a Ginny out on the curb. Edwin was not about to do that, oh no. However, after Edwin realized by Tuesday Ginny took the money, he went into a rage and became verbally abusive, even making attacks via Facebook towards Ginny without naming her. DX was more than happy to laugh and comment about it on his posts. After the last altercation via the phone, Ginny blocked him. She also found out he was tormenting and gaslighting Titi the Tuna with past pictures and stories that triggered her. And it all restarted in December. Titi the Tuna was another full-blown narcissist, alcoholic with a delusional grandeur. She was addicted to tormenting Edwin, to which it's called double mothership. It means feeding each other like two vampires sucking their life out of each other. They were the worst toxic relationship you could ever imagine, but since they were both highly addicted people, they could only fuel each other's darkness. He did not realize right away she had done that. A few weeks passed, and her life was starting to go back on track. She decided to unblock him, thinking he would not contact her. A day passed when he started to contact her, freaking out she wasn't talking to him. She was about to sign a deal in June that would have helped her business, but somehow it did not happen. She was faced with a daunting couple of months in July and August that would be tight for her. She made the conscious decision to go back to him temporarily so she could have a reprieve, or she thought. She thought at that time it was the best option, so she stayed there, and Edwin thought she would not leave. He was talking about opening a business with her, even though she told him she would never do that with him at all. She saw his behavior and had neither trust nor faith about running a successful business with him. Again, trying to manipulate her to sell her house, she wasn't about to do that at all. She was optimistic and kept going. Some days, Edwin will not purchase any grocery to starve her, thinking she still had money 
she took from him. The money actually paid some bills she had. Trev and Edwin had a falling out at the end of the year. So Edwin had to find another supplier for his meth. He paid the intermediary of another junkie who had another supplier named Sean. Edwin loved to use the conversation he had with Ginny and use them with others so he could sound smart. Ginny had cut on about a year ago and wasn't about to give him any insight into anything, knowing he will use it to his advantage. Sean was not doing well health-wise, so Carrie, Trey, sister, who was a small drug dealer, came into play. She worked at a farm. Edwin used to get his supply from her. The farm went bankrupt and the flowers they were growing were going to waste. Edwin got another brilliant idea. Why not plant and sell them from his home? Ginny knew it was a bad idea. Edwin wasn't going to listen to her. Again, you never tell a narcissist it's a bad idea because they will never listen to you. He invited Carrie to his house to allege plant the bulbs. Well, Ginny was monitoring via the cameras what was going on and realized quickly that Carrie was doing nothing else than getting high and truly believed something again was happening with Edwin. She came unannounced to his place and quickly realized he was getting higher than usual and he was wondering in his garage and she was stoned as well. She kicked her out and yelled at him. Nothing was being sold and the backyard was the same. So that weekend, she spent four hours planting the bulbs with him. He was whining the whole time because he was incapable of working that hard, unless he was getting high between each row. Ginny was selling the plants for the first amount of money that came. Edwin took the money for himself. This did not sit well with Ginny. So every sale she made, she took a good percentage off and kept the rest for groceries. August came and finally got another contract. That was a Hail Mary that started to put her back on track. She hadn't been in love with Edwin since September 2021. However, she had to be patient to get her money back. Now we were September 2022 and the only thing she had in mind was living. She was now prepared to exit. It was challenging since dealing with a junkie and a narcissist person, she had to be careful about herself and her dogs. She remembered his threats. Even though she wasn't scared of him, she knew he wasn't stable. So the exit plan begins. Ginny knew she would be gone before year end. She just had to make sure to remove items slowly one at a time so he will not get suspicious. She started to go back to her house days at a time. He did not like it because he could not control her. Her contract ended earlier than expected. It was time to make the decision. Should I stay or should I go? To make matters worse, the furnace in his house wasn't working. In his crazy mind, he thought a smaller heater would be sufficient because he was incapable to figure it out why it wasn't producing heat. At the beginning, the heaters was in a bedroom. But thanks to the fact that he moved it to the bathroom, one thing Edwin loves to take is a bath, a long bath. He would even sleep in it high and drunk. So when the temperature was plummeting, Ginny was sleeping in her clothes. Edwin had an overnight job he landed in May. It was good money, but again, he was incapable of managing it, spending his money unwisely. He did sell some of his mini bags. However, he was getting more junk in his garage that time would end up in a house as well. It really used to expand to the house, yes. It was becoming increasingly cold and unsafe in a house. Ginny had moved everything out of the house. It was just now time to get out. That Friday, Ginny was on a conference call. Edwin decided to let the dogs outside in a weather that was less than 15 degrees, without Ginny knowing. He went to the bathroom and got high for a good half an hour, until Ginny was able to get off the call. 
The smell of the meth was filling the office. Ginny's body was reacting it in a such a bad way. She was getting sick. She could not stand it anymore and had to open a window to get some fresh air. She was upset to see her dogs freezing to death, waiting for someone to open the door. He was too high and cocky. That was the last straw from her. She decided at that point it was time to go. Now it was a matter of letting him know and when. By Saturday night, early Sunday morning, the bedroom was colder. Edwin was high, decided to take a bath. He spent two hours getting high and drunk. The bedroom temp went down to 10 degrees. Ginny was trying to keep herself and the pups warm. Edwin finally got out of the bathroom. When he opened the door, you could feel the heat and condensation from the bedroom. Ginny had enough. By Sunday late afternoon, she finally packed up her stuff and went to say goodbye to Edwin in a bedroom. She told him that was it. She could not do it anymore. She had enough and his house was a dump. He had no heat. The flooring is non-existent. This is an unsafe house and no one would like to live like that. Everything he had in his house was picked up from a curbside in bad shape and had no dryer when washing the clothes. He had no heater in the bedroom and she could not expose her dogs to this unsafe condition. The backyard had broken glass all over, buried garbage, unburned garbage, junk all over the places. It was unsafe for any animals or humans. He started to cry, and for a moment, because he wasn't high, he apologized for the way he treated her. He wasn't crying for Jeannie. He was crying for himself because he was being abandoned, and he did not want it to be by himself. In his desperation, he tried to tell her he would change. In a kind way, Jeannie stated he was all lie. He would never change. She wasn't going to be dealing with a junkie when she has never done drug in her life. She did not want to live in a dump and unsafe house for her and her dogs without any heat. But it wasn't enough. She told him to find someone else. She left quietly like she had come and took the pops. As she drove back, to her place, a sense of peace and freedom came upon her. She was smiling, feeling relieved the universe had her back. She had no food or a contract yet, but she knew it was the right decision for them. A few days later, she got a new contract and started to move on. Edwin was not about to let her go, so he started first being sweet and all-loving, declaring his love, how much he cared for her. Then when this did not work, he started phase two by attacking her via text messages and made some vile comments on Facebook again. She put him back in his place when she discovered he had a VIP membership on Tinder. So, he was spending money to talk to girls while the bills were still piling up. One of the comments that said it all to her was the following. It started with an emoji, but one specific, which is the middle finger. Followed by, detach a while ago, I am a man. Nothing was making me wonder about you. Maybe because you weren't there. At least I had fun at the first leg, a.k.a. woman. Her response was, there is nothing else to say at this point, Edwin. Enjoy your life, wishing you well. She waited to see what he would say. He sent her hurt by Johnny Cash on Pandora. She, as she always done, quietly blocked him from all contacts and moved on. He started to go back to his ex-girlfriend contact like a narcissistic person I do, but this time he had had a twist. Sean, his supplier, 
now had his girlfriend, Aaron, running the show. So, he has been causing up with her. Since he needed a new supply, aka a mark, another genie, to go after, he has now his eyes on Aaron's friend, a single mom, Chris. And to start all of the process, he started a conversation, a gaslighting conversation, to get her to respond to him first. She was upset about a false narrative he started while putting her next response on a pedestal so she could feel special, how beautiful she is, super pretty. He would say, I kept saying to myself, man, this girl is really sweet and she's trying really, really hard. Your picture of you and your babies are totally adorable. To make himself showing up as someone who cares, here's the following trick. Making sure the little guy is kept in a good protective hands when you go back to work, that's what keeps rolling in of my mind. As you can hear, this is how manipulative narcissic are. He did his homework. She had a baby. She is struggling. And he wants to be the white knight. When in fact, he doesn't give a crap about her struggle, neither the kid. He just wants the essence of her, the energy of chaos, so he can feed himself out of it. That's all. Now, this is the move to get her closer. Was curious as it's been a transformation, mothering can be only something a person desires after someone misses out on their chances. Your pictures are incredible. What an amazing gift. Now, what he did here is an interesting move, talking about motherhood. However, he had a son, but he never raised a son. So he's going to use this narrative to put himself into that conversation as somebody who has missed it so much. Well, in fact, he could care less because he is not father material to start with. Remember that a narcissist is a child in a man's or a woman's body. They are not passing the teenage years. They are just a bunch of kids. So using him as a victim, a narcissist will put himself as a victim. Everybody is against me. The world is against me. I have tried so hard, but everybody are against me. So his narrative now, it's like a snake. Go into the conversation and made it all about him as well. That's what a narcissist does. Now, the next one, because imagine for a minute you're being gaslighted by somebody and you're still upset. Now, he's moving to the next level because he's in urge. He's in need of a supply. He lost Ginny. He needs his next fixed. That's what he needs. So this is the little motion. I have been putting a lot of thoughts into how much I should be considering how I might want to bring myself into being a possible candidate in dating this really sweet, beautiful, younger lady I might want to court. What's your opinion? This is what you want to call a closing for a narcissist who is desperate because he doesn't have a fix. He's all by himself. He has nobody to torment and harass or suck the life out of it. This is a predator move. Most people will not read or listen to it the way because they think they care. A narcissistic person does not care. They only want their supply, a.k.a. mark, to put on a pedestal, to control, destroy, and hover. This goes in cycles repeatedly. They will make sure 
they not only destroy that person mentally, but financially and job-wise as well. So that person is left at the mercy of him or her, keeping them prisoner by brainwashing them with their sick game. This is a true fact. So when you're dealing with narcissistic, this is the kind of things you do. Or you do as a narcissist. Ginny understood that even though he had created a pattern of addiction, she was not going to stay. She felt out of love and had no trust in him. She just wanted her life back. The other issue is that narcissists also use social media to create a false narrative. For example, Edwin always stated his house is paid. He takes pictures of expensive steaks and flaunts these all over social media. He makes comments and personal comments on past relationships, making him the victim, never the predator. They want people to drink their Kool-Aid, which most of them do. They lie at every turn and will take advantage of anyone and everyone as long as that makes the narcissist look good. While this is addictive to them, they still need a supply, a mark like Ginny. They are always on the lookout for a man or a woman who is middle-aged and single or a single mom or a dad or somebody who has some issues so they can come and sweep them away, which in reality they don't. What they do is bringing chaos and like vampires suck the life out of them. They do not, however, accept rejection. So when Ginny left, he wasn't about to let it happen and tried to bring her back in. That's what he tried. Edwin's reality is, yeah, the house is paid. Yeah, however, the state of the house should be condemned, totally unsafe. The backyard is as hazardous as the house. He had not paid